So we pray for him and bless him, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Um, Okay, that's fine. I should have a a thingy. I'm told that, is it on the lectern? On the piano. Ah, yes, so it is. Right. There we go. (laughs) Well, you know, there's always there are always going to be um, sort of little glitches. How we go? That's not too bad, is it? Um, in the first week, I, I actually think those who set up and the techie boys and girls have done very, very well. Don't you think? <laughs> Only about half of you clapped because of the other half doing the stuff, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it's, it's so good. I believe that this hall is God's provision for us. For now. For now. And let's keep praying about the former Laurel Ashley shop. Uh, We have a Christian architect looking to redesign the interior. And he knows, doesn't he? He knows the sort of thing that we're looking for. So, whilst we rejoice in being here, yes? Yes. Yeah, we're we're looking forward to uh, what God has for us down the down the months and years. So, we're looking at the restoration man who is Nehemiah. Let me find... Oh, this is wobbly. Right, I better not push this too hard, otherwise it would be great is the fall of it, the looks of it. <laughs> anyway, Nehemiah chapter 3. If you'd like to open your Bibles, we'll look at uh, Nehemiah chapter 3. And... Uh, well, I'll, I'll read the first few verses and then you'll get a little bit of the flavour of what is going on. Uh, please, Jim, if I pronounce these wrongly, don't, don't come back. <laughs> it's a matter of debate, some of this. Eliashib, the high priest and his fellow priests, went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated as far as the Tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zachur, son of Imri, built next to them. The fish gate was rebuilt by the son of sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and belts and bars in place. Meramoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hagon, replied, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshalem, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshazabel. Oops. <laughs> Made repairs. <laughs> repairs next to him, Zadok. Um, and next to him, Zadok, son of Anna, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. The Deshana Gate was... Oh. <laughs> I think I've read enough, don't you? I really... I, now, um, just a word. 
this sort of chapter, we think, oh, I'll skip over this, but this was ever so important to God's people. It was. The lists of names. Do you know, I once heard a preacher say, don't you get bored with the lists of names? And, you know, everybody said, yes. He said, but you wouldn't if your name was there. (laughs) You keep reading it. Yeah, or your granddad or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. You would. You keep reading it. So, actually, what we've got here is a chapter full of groups, names and groups of people who were building the walls. So, where are we? Here we go. Oh, we've been a little bit off the end, but I think we can see that. Um, We've had a mouse nibble off the edge, haven't we? The next word is previous First of all, in chapter 1, Nehemiah hears about the condition of the walls in in Jerusalem and the sorry state of the people. And he prays for four months. And if you remember, we looked at Nehemiah's prayer and how he identified with the people. Then in chapter 2, the first half, he, he speaks to King Artaxerxes who grants his request to go to Jerusalem and repair the wall. And in, in that, we saw how Nehemiah's prayer in chapter 1 was answered. And then last week, we heard how Nehemiah got to Jerusalem, he went to inspect the walls at night, he didn't tell anybody what he was doing, and then finally, he revealed his plans to those who were with him, and to the leaders of the city. And the people encourage one another. This is something great. So that's the first three sessions that we've had on Nehemiah. So, this week we come to the actual building of the wall. And we get all this list of names, etc., etc., etc. But before we get to that, one or two little facts things that you don't need to know. (laughs) The description of the building goes round anti-clockwise. It does, you see. Now, that's that's an interesting fact. Starts at the sheep gate. Boom, 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 boom. Well, that was anti-clockwise to me. (laughs) So, it might be that that way. And all the way round back to the sheep gate again. It's a full circle. Well, actually isn't. Because if you look at the map, it it looks more like a peanut, you know, before you've taken them out of the shells. (laughs) But it goes round from Sheep Gate, right the way round, back to the Sheep Gate. Now, something that's not obvious, but you can just about get from the Scriptures, but archaeology has backed up, the new wall enclosed a smaller area than the old one. Why? would it stayed on higher ground as a greater protection against the enemy? That makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, interesting little fact. And some people think there are gaps in the description. Why? Because occasionally it says, so-and-so, this was their second bit. But you don't know what their first bit was. It's interesting. If you, if you really examine it sort of bit by bit by bit. And then finally, there seems to be a gate missing. 
Or some people think so. The Ephraim, Ephraim gate. But, well, God has put in the scriptures all we need to know. Okay? So, that's, that's a few facts which are interesting. So, I've got three lessons for you. Three points, three things to say today. One, this chapter teaches us that leadership is very important. Now, it's a testimony, a witness to Nehemiah's skilled leadership. Now, it's not in, he's, he's not written this section, it's quite obvious because it's, it's, it's sort of separate from him. But if you look at it, you think, what an amazing leader he was. Look what he organised. Well, he first of all went round the walls by himself with, with just a few others, not telling them what he was going to do. Then he let his, his inner circle in on the vision and the project that he had in mind. Then he would have had to have convinced the leaders of Jerusalem what, what was going on. And then through them, he would have had to have convinced the whole population that this is what he wanted to do. So that's, that's leadership to start with. Then think what he put in place. He put in place all sorts of different groups of people. And let me just look at this so I don't miss anyone out. There were family groups. There were groups from towns outside of the city. Jericho, for instance. If you read carefully, there were groups that were based on their craft ability. The sort of people who, who could make and do things. Then, there were, there were those that were grouped together by trade. That's another interesting thing. And then there were groups of priests. So you could say there were religious groups. And then finally... Hold on to your hats, girls. One father got all of his daughters together to rebuild the wall. What? That was motivated by Nehemiah's vision. That was motivated by his leadership. So all these groups preparing war. Then they all had their own sections. Some of them had gates and walls. Some of them just had walls. And if you read it, it's, well, this lot of people did that, then, next to them, this lot of people did that, then, next to them, another lot of people did that. What an amazing feat of organisation. By gum, it's hard enough organising set up in here. <laughs> and that's why we cheer those who do it. But think of that all the way round the, the, the wall, all the, all the way round the city. Groups doing, each doing their own section. Why? Because they had godly, God-appointed, God-sent, God-anointed leadership. So leadership is very important. And we're talking about 
rebuilding after the pandemic. And it is so, so interesting that, uh, I mean, I, I, I follow Twitter, I know some of you are on Twitter, how many people around the country, what are they preaching about at the moment? Nehemiah. Because it's about rebuilding. And in rebuilding, leadership is important. So, my plea, pray for the leadership team of this local church. By gum, we need it. Don't we? We do. I'm getting agreement, at least from somebody here. <laughs> well, we do. We need, we need elders appointed. Elders that are recognised, not just locally, but by, by our family of churches. That's the one thing. Please pray that that will happen soon. We need clear direction. Yeah, we've got clear direction at the moment in some respects. We're, we're here and we're, we're looking at Laura Ashley in the future, but we need direction about mission, evangelism, discipleship, engaging with the community. To go on. We need, we need clear direction and we need wisdom and we need grace amongst each other as well as with everyone. I could say you need some grace with us, but I hope you realise that. <laughs> and we need love. You know, there are, there are two members of the leadership team that are not, not here today, but look at this. this. You could make this into a dartboard, couldn't you really? <laughs> I tell you what, would you stand and pray for us. Peter, what do you think people should pray? Yeah. Uh, wisdom, guidance, that we are, that we are, I think, firstly, that we are faithful as individuals to the Lord. And then we're faithful in our calling and that we have wisdom in knowing how to express the gift of God. Right. What do you say, Andrew? Amen. Chris, are you around? Yes, she is. Ditto. <laughs> I love praying for ditto. <laughs> just, just, just pray. Pray silently, pray out loud, stretch your hands towards this picture and imagine that you're praying for James who's away on a course and for Nigel who's on holiday. Let's pray for them. Would one or two just lift their voices to, to pray? Lord, we thank you for these men and for their families and for all that they give to you. And uh, as Peter has asked, we pray for their individual walk with you. Because you know, for all of us, that's where we've got to start, our individual relationship with you. But yeah. particularly when you're in leadership, you are in, in a different place. You're, you're looking at a different backbone, you've got different responsibilities. But thank you. we trust these guys to, to lead this church, and we thank you for them. Thank you. Um, thank you for them. Bless them in their individual. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, someone else, please. We thank you for each one of them. And we just ask you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit just to fill each one of them. Bless them. Bless their families. Bring healing to everything they need to flourish, Lord. Just 
Amen. Father, we, we do thank you um, for our team, Lord. I thank you for each one. We pray especially for James as he's on that course this weekend that you'll bless him, enrich him and encourage him. We thank you for Nigel and give him refreshment on his holiday and Lord, for the rest of us again. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Amen. Thank you. Well, that's a bit different, isn't it? (laughs) Ah, in case you're feeling left out, everyone, everyone is important. This chapter teaches us that every single child of God, every Christian, every believer, everyone who's in the church is equally, 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 equally important. Yeah. Yeah. You see, no one part of the wall was more important than the other. You know, some of the groups, oh, they, they had massive gates to do and big stretches of wall. Other, other groups had only little bits. And you can, I mean, Peter's already mentioned moanies, but we know that the people of God in the Old Testament were good at moaning. And, and you know, I can just imagine, I think, well, that ain't fair. Look at that big lot that they've got to do. Don't they trust us with anything? You know, all we've got is this little bit of wall to do here. Don't they trust us? You know, what's he thinking about? Or, other way around, who does he think he is? Look, we've got all this lot to do and they get get away with doing just that little bit. (laughs) You can't win, can you? (laughs) But, I'm, I'm making that up. I re- I'm making that up. This chapter shows us that every part of the wall was important because if there were flaws in it, if it wasn't completed, if there were gaps, what could happen? Yeah, fall down is a good thing, but the enemy could get in. It would leave the whole city vulnerable. So every single part of the wall was important. That's why this is detailed. That is why the people of God could look back and say, ah, my family did that. Praise God. My trade did that. Praise God. We did that together. Under God. And Everybody worked according to the plan, the vision that Nehemiah and the other leaders that he had around him had. It would have been no good if one group of people said, hmm, I don't think he's building this the right way. Instead of going in that direction, let's go in this direction. And what would have happened then? It would have left gaps in the wall again. You know, if, if, if one group had said, I don't like this, let's do it our way. And they struck off in a different direction. It would have left gaps in the wall. Everyone needed to be working together to the shared vision and plan. 
They did it together. Well, do you know, everyone, everyone is important here. You're important. You're valued. You're vital to the work here. You may think, oh, I, I don't do a lot. I, oh, I haven't got many gifts. I haven't got many talents. I, I can't stand up and speak to the people. I can't go out with the kids and do that. I can't talk to the young people. I can't do the techie stuff. What, what value am I? You're of immense value to the local church, to this church, to the kingdom of God. You are. All I can do is pray. Fantastic. All I can do is encourage people. Fantastic. All I can do is receive the occasional gift of the Spirit. That's per 1 Corinthians 12. Amazing. Everyone is important, but let me stress this. You are more important because who you are than because of what you do. Hear me. You know, some of you know that we, we led churches uh, in, in, we were Baptists. And in, and in some ways I still am. I haven't rejected it. God's just moved us on. But you know one of the things, when I was feeling depressed, do you know what I thought? I thought, these people only want me for what I can do and not for who I am. Oh, you're a good preacher. Well, oh, better not say that. Or, you're, you're a good pastor. Oh, I better not say that. Or, you're good with young people. I better not say that. Yeah, whatever. And I used to think, they only want me for what I can do. Now, that wasn't true. That was the lie of the enemy to me. And it can be the lie of the enemy to you. You're far more important for who you are than what you can do. But praise God, we can all do something under the anointing of the Spirit. And let's all covenant together to move in the same direction. Because that makes the body, the church, strong. That doesn't leave gaps for the enemy to get in. Let's say, this is where we're going and we're going this way together. The third thing, what is built is important. Now, you may think, why didn't you put this at the beginning? Hear me. What were they building? They were building the walls. Hmm, more or less. But they were building the walls and the gates. We often talk about, oh yes, they, they were building the walls, but we mustn't forget the gates. Because there was the, the sheep gate, probably where the sheep market, they went in and out and found pasture and then they brought them in. Sheep gate. There was a gate that was called the dung gate, but we won't go into that. <laughs> and all sorts of gates. So, when the gates were shut, the city was secure. 
when everything was okay and the gates were open, the people could go in and out, they could trade, they could journey, they could do all sorts of things, they could, could engage with what was around them. In and out. People could go out, others could come in, danger happened, gates shut, secure. Right. A vision for the local church. One. A place of safety. Hey? Our heart's desire is that this local church is a place of safety for all who come in. I don't care how old how young, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, a boy, a girl, whether you're clever, whether you're not intellectual, whether you're good with your hands or good with your brain, whether you're tall, whether you're short, whether you're fat, whether you're thin, whoever you are, you're welcome. Whatever issues you face, whatever problems confront, whatever confuses, whatever drives you, you're welcome. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. He welcomed everybody. He didn't turn anyone away. Jesus, when he was here, he said, let the little ones come to me. Jesus, when he was here, sat down next to the prostitute. Jesus, when he was here, had dinner with the, with the perceived traitor, the tax collector. Jesus, when he was here, called fishermen. But he also called political extremists. Jesus, when he was here, would talk to the Jew but he would talk to the Roman as well. Jesus, when he was here, didn't turn anyone away. He said, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He was creating a place of safety. We are the body of Christ. Whoever we are, a place of safety, a place of security. The picture of the, of the city with the gates shut, the enemy kept out, and security within. Jesus invited everyone like that, not to stay as they were, but to grow and mature and develop into the people that he desires us all to be. None of us come in to stay as we are. But we come in to be disciples, to be followers of Jesus, to grow in our, our understanding, to grow in our attitude, to grow in our character, to grow in our ministry, to be changed step by step but in a place of safety. 
That's what he wants. You're welcome here. I don't care whether you're black, white, straight, gay, trans, I, or anything. You're welcome here. Because whoever we are, we come and Jesus lovingly, graciously, tenderly, gently takes us from that point to the place where he wants us to be in terms of life, character, gifting, whatever. New Life Christian Fellowship. What a wonderful testimony. A safe place to be. The other thing, of course, I think the word mission is overused, but I couldn't think of anything (laughs) else. We need to be a place where people can go in and out, engage with the community, witness to our friends, witness to our neighbours, come in and go out. Where people come in, become disciples of Jesus, go out and come in, just like the city, going in and out. A place of engagement, a place of mission, a place of evangelism, a a place that is prophetic to the the community around us, whether it's Beckles or Halesworth or Bungie or wherever we we live. In and out. This is where we, we are built up. This is where we are resourced. This is where we gain strength. This is where we receive a fresh infilling of the Spirit. This is where we get encouragement, where we encourage each other. I encourage you. You encourage me. This is, this is where we minister His grace, as that song says. This, this is where the power of, the God, of God moves. So that not, it's, not that it's contained here, but so that we can go out and minister in that same grace and love and power. That's the city that Nehemiah saw. A place of security, but a place of commerce, a place of industry, if you like, a place of of in and out, and that's the church. A place of security, yes, but a place that is outward going, (coughs) engaging with those around. You're going to hear something about bees, I think. Bees in a hive. That's what they do. Come in, they're secure. Go out to fetch the honey. Come back in again. That's what we need. That's what we should be. Yes, secure. But yes, outward. Looking outward. Engaging outward. And that's it, really. Do you know, I was trawling through all sorts of stuff and I came across the last time I preached on this chapter. Do you know something? I said entirely different things. (laughs) Isn't that the genius of the Word of God? That there's so much in it, you don't exhaust it. So today, pray for the leaders. Thank you for your prayers today. Boy, do we need them. Two, keep on encouraging one another because we're all important here. No, no one, and that includes leaders, no one is more important than anyone else. It's just different ministry. And three, 
let's be and trust God to make us into a place of security that nevertheless reaches out. So pray, let's pray. Father, thank you that we can learn so much from your word. Thank you that um, even in a chapter that's full of names and details and projects and all that sort of thing, there's so much that we can gather. And Lord, even as I stand here, I realise there are things I could have said that I haven't. But I pray that, that what you have said to us, we will take on board and that we will take another step forwards into becoming both individually and together the people you want us to be. Lord, we praise you, we worship you, we bless you because, Jesus, you're worthy of our praise and you are building your church. Amen.